Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. And he says that basic idea, intention, awareness, motivation for the mitzvot has to be a sense of Hashem being our king, and we accepting upon ourselves Hashem as our king. And that has to be the motivation behind the mitzvot in general. We're doing the mitzvah in order to nullify our ego before Hashem. Even thinking about it is already enough. That's all Hashem asks of you. Hashem doesn't ask of us the impossible. The code of Jewish law says that we're obligated to think and to try to picture, imagine, imagine how you would feel if you were able to experience the reality. The reality is whether you feel it or not, whether you experience it or not, that Hashem is standing over your bed, God is standing over your bed, and looking into your eyes and looking into your heart. But the fact is, I don't feel it. But I'm aware of it. And that's enough. It's enough to be aware of it. That's all the Torah asks of us. The Torah is speaking to real people. We're not such saints. We're not, such, we're not so spiritually tuned in. Let's be honest. Maybe there's certain mornings when you wake up and you do feel Hashem's presence. Maybe. Yom Kippur. On a holiday, on Pesach. After the Seder night, maybe the next morning you wake up, you feel godly, you feel godliness. But let's face it, on a Tuesday morning and a Wednesday morning, it's, it's not exactly a living, breathing reality for you. And nevertheless, the Torah says you're obligated to think about it. That's all Hashem asks of us. It's enough. But just the fact that you acknowledge it and you accept it, even in your thought, just in your thought. But this acceptance is genuine. Why is it genuine if you don't feel it? Am I faking it? Am I pretending? I don't feel anything. I don't feel Hashem's presence. I can't visualize Hashem's presence. It's not a living, breathing reality to me, just like... Physical presence is... Are we aware that we're not feeling it? Uh, of course we're aware. Okay, so then why don't we discipline ourselves to feel it? In other words, isn't that the whole idea, to conquer uh, the Yetzirah and discipline ourselves? It's not a question of Yetzirah. It's not I'm doing anything wrong. It's just I'm not capable of feeling it. I'm a, earth, I'm a fleshy, earthy human being. I don't feel godly things. I just... I can know it, and I acknowledge it, and I know it's the truth whether I feel it or not, but you can't pretend to feel something that you don't. Don't forget, we learned earlier in the Tanya, um, we're only in control of our conscious, we're in control of our thoughts, our speech, our action, our behavior. But you're not in control of your subconscious. You can't change, transform your, your, your ego, your personality, your character. My ego doesn't feel godly things, doesn't respond to godly things. My godly soul does, but I don't feel my godly soul. But it's enough to acknowledge that this is my truth. And that's fine. That is it. That's why it's genuine. When you acknowledge this truth and you live accordingly, you are being genuine. You're not, being, you're not faking it. You're not living an artificial life. On the contrary. You are being consistent and true with your inner core, your inner essence, your inner nature, which is your godly soul. Even though you can't access it, because we can't access our subconscious. So I can't feel it. I can't experience it. That's why the Torah says a Jew should live a consistent life, a disciplined life, as he was saying, a disciplined life. Discipline means I can discipline my behavior, even though I don't feel it experientially. And it's not, you're not faking it, I, but I have to be true to myself. Let me be a genuine bum. 
I should be true to myself, true to my feelings, true to my urges, true to my instincts. I should follow every whim and every desire. That's what that's psychology 101. That's what society teaches us today. And Torah says no. That would be faking it. When you follow the truth, when you follow the reality, the reality is that Hashem is standing over you. The reality is that the whole universe is rests on your shoulders. Is God a king or he's not a king? Am I a servant? I'm not a servant. And the whole world depends on that answer. And God himself is waiting with bated breath, so to speak, standing right in front of you, looking into your heart, into your eyes, and begging and pleading with you, please, make the right decision, because without you, I'm not a king, and I can't force myself upon you, and I can't impose myself upon you. I need it. It should be voluntarily. You should want to. I'm not a dictator. I need you to willingly accept me as your king, as your sovereign, and bend your ego from me. If I ask you to do something, you listen. The whole universe depends, Hashem himself depends on that answer, and your answer, and your decision. That's the fact. Whether I feel it, I don't feel it. I feel like it, I don't feel like it. I'm up to it, I'm not up to it. I'm in the mood, I'm not in the mood. Judaism doesn't change with moods. Everyone in the world would love to be godly. Who, who doesn't? But the difference in the Jew and the rest of the world is the rest of the world made that a precondition. When God went around and peddled the Torah to the whole world, he said, listen, if it makes sense to us, if we feel it and we can experience it, then we'll follow the Torah. But if we can't, we can't feel it, we can't experience it, then we're not ready to follow the Torah. Everyone would love to be spiritual. But if I feel spiritual, if I feel loving, then I'll act loving. If I feel spiritual, I'll act spiritual. If I feel godly, I'll act godly. But when I don't feel godly, then I'm out of here. That's the human response. The Jew was the only nation in the world that said, Nasha, we will do, and then we will listen. Even before we can tune in, and even before we can sense, and even, even if we don't feel godly, and we don't comprehend it, and make, I, I will do. I'm ready to accept. And I'm ready to live my life, live a godly life, even if I don't feel godly. For example, like when we say the Shema, we have to do it with Kavana. So don't we feel... If you're lucky, you do. I mean, but, we don't want but, to just go but, through the motions and say absolutely. Shema. But he's reporting the fact. The fact is... Even if we say the Shema... No, saying enough, saying enough is not... Saying, just mouthing the words means it's not enough. You have to have at least, minimum, you have to have an awareness. You have to think about it. If you think about it, that Hashem is my king, and I willingly accept my, accept. Hashem is my sovereign, and I willingly subject myself to Hashem's will, and I'm ready to fulfill His will and to do His mitzvot, that's enough. You fulfill the mitzvah. That's the minimal. That's all Hashem asks of you. If you can't do more, you're not equipped to do more, or that particular day you can't do more. Your mind is not open, your heart is not in flames. Not everyone is so passionate that the heart is always on fire, and their mind is so crystal clear. We're talking about the average people. We're not. There are times our mind is crystal clear. There are times our heart is on fire. It's very rare. Those moments are very rare and few and far in between. Let's be honest. We're human beings of flesh and blood. All Hashem asks of you is have at least the minimal kavana, the minimal awareness, the minimal intent, and the decision that this is a truth and I'm going to base my life on this truth. And that's, and that's fine. But by doing this, you fulfill the mitzvah. You fulfill your obligation. 
you're a servant of Hashem, you're serving Hashem, you're accepting His sovereignty, and you know what? Hashem is king. As a result of your acceptance, you have coronated Hashem as king of the universe, not just of yourself, of the entire universe. Because of your act of humility, of your act of subjecting yourself to Hashem and willingly accepting Hashem as your sovereign, you have now coronated Hashem. You have fulfilled the purpose of creation. You have... So the fact is that something very momentous has happened, even though you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Something very real has just happened. You have changed the whole universe. You have affected the whole cosmos because of that awareness and that thought and that acceptance in your mind. To know that I am a servant and to view yourself as a servant of Hashem. And what an honor it is to be Hashem's servant. What an honor it is to be Hashem's subject. A member of Hashem's army carries himself with pride and, and dignity because you know who you're serving. You know who you stand for and what you stand for. You're, you're his ambassador. You're his representative. But if you only serve Hashem with love because of spirituality and sensitivity and what, that's not serving Hashem. As a matter of fact, it says there's a very sharp expression. Someone who loves Hashem, he doesn't love Hashem. He loves himself. (laughs) What can God do for me today? Lord, get me high. God, you make me feel so good. I love being in love. It's not about you. It's about me. (laughs) I just love. I love what you do for me. (laughs) That's love. I love what you do for me. Hear, Hear yourself. It's not about the other person. It's about me. People say, I love the ice cream. You don't love the ice cream. If you love the ice cream, you wouldn't touch it. <laughs> you love what the ice cream does for me. It's not about the ice cream. It's about you. The love is in me. It's ego, self-expression. So, Lord, get me high. What can you do for me today? I just love being in love with you. It's my heart that sings with joy, sings in ecstasy, sings with ecstasy. You're on an ego trip. What does that have to do with God? When do you get out of your ego? When you serve God. The servant, he is, he, he is going beyond his ego. It's not about him. The focus is not me. The focus is Hashem. It's you. I get out of the way. It's not me. I am your loyal servant, your faithful servant. I'm dedicated to you. Whatever your wish, your need, my focus is on you, not on me. That's the difference in service and love. Two different worlds. Difference in respect and love. Love is about me. That's why a marriage is only based on love is doomed. Love is not enough to keep a marriage together. Love will not conquer all, despite all the novels. <laughs> marriage is based on respect. That's the foundation, not love. Love has to be built on the foundation of respect. Respect is unwavering. Respect is, is, is the cornerstone, the bedrock, the foundation. The rock, our rock of Gibraltar doesn't change. It doesn't, it's not moody. It's not... It's not subject to whims and ups and downs. Respect is, it's about you. It's not about me. I respect you. I'm focusing on you. I see you as a person, as an individual, as, and I respect you. And I treat you with sacredness. I don't take you for granted. Love is, I love what you do for me. I love to be in love with you. It's, yeah, it's all about me. And that can never last. That's not sustainable. They will just consume each other and then the love will wear out and then you move on to the next 
uh, that, that's not the foundation of life is respect that's the foundation of how we respect each other respect comes before respecting parents and respecting Hashem if you respect Hashem you respect other human beings because if you have the ability to get beyond your own ego to see beyond your own nose then you can notice other human beings and you can respect other human beings show respect give them the space treat them with, with sanctity treat another person and his feelings as sacred don't just trample on other people trample of other people's feelings and disrespect them and dismiss them only someone who doesn't have any respect in his own life doesn't know the meaning of respect shows disrespect for other people but if you know the meaning of respect and you respect Hashem that person who has a healthy sense of egolessness who can get beyond his own ego that person has the glue will have what it takes to create solid relationships solid friendships that's what a society is based on society is based on mutual respect genuine respect and that's sorely lacking today that's the one ingredient that's almost completely lacking this is the challenge of our generation we don't know the meaning of respect not respect for ourselves not respect for our parents not respect for our spouses not respect for our children, not respect for other people, not respect for... Ultimately, it all comes from one place. Because we lost, we forgot the meaning of respect for Hashem. The meaning of the privilege and the honor of serving Hashem. The honor of being a soldier in Hashem's army. The honor of being a servant, a subject of having Hashem as my personal king. And every morning we point Hashem as our personal king. Every time we do a mitzvah, we're basically affirming that Hashem is my king. And what an honor it is that Hashem is my king. And there are 613 ways, privileges that I have of being able to serve Him. Every time you use like respect and you're using honor and feel proud, where's the fear? Where's the awe? See, I'm thinking, maybe I'm wrong, I'm thinking respect Hashem. So I'm saying to myself, feel awe of Hashem, right? You're not using that terminology. But it, it is, because as, as we'll learn soon, the awe and the fear is sensing Hashem's presence. When you respect someone, you're sensing their presence. You're respecting their presence. You're treating them as something real. As he'll say later, he's going to bring the story of Rabbi uh, Yochanan ben Zake and his deathbed. And his students asked him, what's the... What's your wisdom? What are you, what's your parting wisdom? What's your, after 120 years, give us in, in a nutshell, what's your, the essence, the kernel of wisdom? He says, Alavai, your fear of God should be the same as fear of a human being. He says, Rabbi, this is it? This is your distilled wisdom of 120 years? This is, he says, yeah, this is Alavai. And I'll prove it to you. When a human being is in the room with you, a stranger, a nobody, the biggest shmendrik. You behave in a certain way. I'm not going to do something in public that I'm embarrassed of and ashamed of. But when you're, pri when you're private and alone, <laughs> then we behave differently. So what does that tell you? What do you mean you're private, you're alone? Hashem is here. 
Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. So what does it mean? That you have more respect. This, this, this Shmendrik standing, this stranger you don't know anything about, is more real to you than Hashem. It means Hashem is so insignificant in your life, is so little of a reality, is so much a nothing in your life. It's such an abstraction, like a crystal energy, otherworldly in heaven. It's so irrelevant and so meaningless in real life to you that a real human being, a flesh and blood that's standing here, a stranger you know nothing about, you're more afraid of him, ashamed and embarrassed and afraid of him than you are of Hashem. So what's respect? Respect means when you feel Hashem's reality, Hashem's presence. You treat Hashem's reality as a reality. His presence is real. That's the ultimate respect. That's the ultimate awe. That's the ultimate fear. That's the ultimate truth. That keeps you grounded. It's not just about me. It's about really getting out of the way and sensing the other. Sensing Hashem's presence. Sensing the other person's presence. And treating that as sacred. Don't take it for granted. Treating it as a privilege, as an honor. You know, the fact that your spouse is married to you, it's an honor. The fact that they chose you and the fact that they are willing to live with you and to marry you and open their lives to you, that's nothing, that's never, you can never take that for granted. You always have to treat that with respect. It's sacred ground. You're walking on sacred ground. That's why the Torah says for 12 days in the month you can't, you can't touch each other. You don't take each other for granted. You don't own your spouse. You don't just grab and take and do whatever you want. There's a healthy respect for the other person, for the sanctity of their space, for the sanctity of their being. There's a healthy boundary. There's a healthy sense of, of, of reality, a healthy sense of respect. And that permeates everything in Judaism. This is really the foundation of everything in Judaism. It all boils down to this respect. And this is the, the, the thread. That's what he says. It's the, he started out the chapter. This is the foundation, and this is the main thing, and this is the root of everything a Jew does. This is what nourishes. Everything a Jew does is nourished with this healthy, it's permeated with a healthy sense of respect, of, of boundaries, of, of egolessness, of getting beyond yourself and sensing Hashem's presence. So the Zohar says that Jew has to feel like a child to Hashem. Hashem is my father. And we have a loving relationship. And I can pour my heart, heart out to my father. And I know that he's there for me and he loves me and I love him. And it, it's, but then there also has to be a sense of awe. Oh, a sense of presence of Hashem, service. That's why in the same blessing, we switch. Baruch atah Hashem. We're talking to God directly. Bless are you, Hashem. Elokeinu, who is our God, who is the king of the universe. How do you switch from one person, first person, to third person? Here I'm talking to God, like I'm talking to you, and all of a sudden I'm, I start talking about you in front of you. I'm talking to you directly. Baruch Atah, God, you're here, you're, I'm blessing you. And then I start talking about God in the third person, who happens to be, what do you mean, why you're talking to me? Why, why are you switching to third person in the middle of a conversation? The structure of the blessing, because on one hand, God is my Father, and I can talk to Him directly heart-to-heart, face-to-face. But I never forget that God is my king. There's a healthy sense of distance, of respect. God is transcendent. God is beyond me. There's a healthy sense of of reality. That's what keeps you grounded. That's what keeps you honest. That's what keeps you down-to-earth and real. That 
space that you create, that space, that distance, that space, that's what keeps you straight and honest. Shavuos, after we've accomplished the Omer at Shavuos, so we're feeling tremendous joy and closeness to God. But are you saying that this is really a closeness to the animal soul? And all the more so if we were feeling godly, think of the extent of the joy that we would be feeling, if we could touch the godly soul. In other words, on Shavuos, we're just touching the animal soul, right? You know, we, we learned earlier that even the complete tzaddik, the highest tzaddik, the one or two in every generation, the perfect Jew, the most spiritual, the most accomplished, even his feelings for Hashem, his sense of awe of Hashem, his sense of love of Hashem, his sense of ecstasy, is almost a caricature of the level of love and awe and pleasure that the soul experienced before the soul entered into this world. Because just the fact that the soul enters into the body and it becomes a human being, flesh and blood, the soul is limited. And even the most refined body and the holiest body and the body of a tzaddik, who every waking moment and his whole conscious and subconscious is completely sublimated before God and unified with God, it's still limited. There's no way he can even come close, can even approach the intensity and the depth. It's almost like a cartoon. It's like taking a three-dimensional person and projecting it on a, on a surface, on a flat surface, in a two-dimensional reality. But you end up as a cartoon. So the level that the soul experiences in this world, even the most intense and the deepest and the most profound, is a cartoon. It's almost a caricature of, of the, the intensity and the depth of the, what the soul experienced in heaven. This is the complete tzaddik. Imagine the rest of us. We're not even on the level of the incomplete tzaddik. Halavai, we should be on the level of the Benedi. The question is, what level of Russia? <laughs> so imagine, even when we do feel inspired and on Shavuos, and, I mean, the level of emotion in comparison to a higher level, in comparison to the way it's felt in the world, of, in, the, in the dimension of the world of formation, or the way it's experienced in the dimension of the world of creation, or the way it's experienced in the, in the, in the dimension in the world of, of emanation, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's not a genuine, you can't even call it a genuine emotion in comparison to, to a higher level. So, so all we can have in, in this world is the pentaliyid. I mean, in terms of what the godly soul is. Well, actually, we, we have, what we have in this world is more precious than what we have in heaven. Because even though we don't have the love, and we don't have, but we have the mitzvah. In heaven, they don't have mitzvah. We have Hashem Himself. We have the divine essence. We have Shavuos. That's why we get excited about Shavuos. We have the gift of the Torah, the fact that Hashem delivered Himself to us. The fact that what He's saying in this chapter, Hashem is our King. So we're making contact with Hashem. Why does the Zohar say, and this really gets to the heart of what the Zohar, why does the Zohar say, why is it really a key ingredient that in order for a Jew to serve Hashem properly, the, you must have a sense and, and your intent must be, an emo, you must be motivated by the fact that you're God's servant and we're serving Hashem. Why is that a key ingredient? Why isn't the love enough? The answer is because there's such a huge gap between us and God. Even the love of the world of emanation is so distant from God. 
is so far from God. God is transcendent. God transcends the whole framework of the whole universe, even the framework of the world of emanation. So, so there's an unbridgeable gap between us and God. And a million and a billion and a zillion is not one iota closer to God than one. So no matter how intensely spiritual you are, no matter how, how loving you are, no matter what higher level of consciousness you experience, what level of ecstasy you feel, how sublime, you're not one iota closer to God. So how do you bridge that gap between us and God? And the answer is you don't. You can't. No human being, no angel, no, it's impossible. So how do you connect with God? We don't. God connects with us. The fact that God is our king, God is begging us and saying, please do my mitzvah. You can do something for me. You can do me a favor and do my mitzvah. Please willingly accept me as your king. Willingly accept upon yourself to be my subject. This is what gives God infinite pleasure. The fact that he commands us and we listen. The fact that we accept him and we make him as king, we coronate him as king. So this idea that God is our king is the only thing that connects us to holiness. Otherwise, you're lost in, in, you're lost in outer space. Yes, you can be spiritual, and you can be new age, and you can be flying high, and you can be meditating on a mountaintop, and you can be Buddha himself, but you have no connection to God. Zero. The only way you can connect with God is acknowledging that God is my king and that I can do something for God and I can do his commandment. That's the connection. The, the root of the word mitzvah comes from the word connection. By follow, following Hashem's commandment and accepting upon myself as, as, that God is my king, that's how you're able to connect with God. And that's why a Jew gets excited about the giving of the Torah and Shavuos. That's why a Jew gets so excited about mitzvah. That's why it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to serve God. Because a Jew has a healthy sense of respect for the distance, the unbridgeable distance between us and God, which no, nothing spiritual can possibly bridge that distance. Nothing. No experience, no spiritual experience, no matter how intense and how earth-shattering and how otherworldly, nothing can possibly even get us one iota closer to God. It's only by doing the mitzvah. Only by doing the mitzvah. And that's why we do the mitzvah, we accept upon ourselves that God is my king, and it's my honor and my privilege to be able to serve God, because it's only by serving God that I connect with God. If a Jew approaches Torah mitzvah as a new age, oh, it makes me feel good, it's so wonderful, it's so loving. But there's no sense of a healthy sense of respect, a healthy sense of the distance between us and God. That God is my master, God is my king, and God is so beyond us and beyond all of us and beyond the whole universe and the whole frame of reference of the universe, including the world of emanation. And the only way to connect with God, God gave us the biggest honor and the biggest privilege and He respected us by telling us that He needs us and we can do His mitzvot. And by doing His mitzvot, we connect with Him. So if a Jew doesn't have this as his motivation, if that's not the reason you're doing the positive mitzvot, not only the prohibitions, but if you don't do the positive mitzvah out of a sense that God is my king and I am his servant, there's no holiness. There's no connection to the divine. This is the whole point. Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky 